0: Locals and visitors to Union Station at the west end of historic 25th Street in Ogden, Utah, claim to have heard an anguished scream uttered by a lady dressed in blue. She's on the railroad tracks. The well-known legend tells the story of a jilted woman who could not fathom living with a broken heart. But what if... This week, A Glint of Mischief presents Carolina Blue, part of the anthology Seven Ghostly Spins, A Brush with the Supernatural, by Patricia Busano. Hello, I'm Judah Lamy. Welcome to A Glint of Mischief, a weekly podcast where you get to preview some of the great indie books out there. Each episode is the reading of the first chapter of an independently published book. Available to buy right now. Now, let's get to the reason we're all here, yes? Friday, November 13th, 2015. Despite it being Friday the 13th, my daughter and I threw caution to the wind and decided to go shopping at the gateway in Salt Lake City. Crossing the tracks to wait for the front-runner train, I heard a distant scream. I turned south toward the old Union Station and saw a wisp of blue. November 21st, 1924 Amelia, be a dear and take care of this her boss said, handing her a lumpy canvas bag. She took it and began pulling out several women's garments while her boss continued to talk. "'Mary's out sick at the hotel, so they got no one for the fancy washing,' he said, eyes swiveling from her to the laundry as she was piling neatly on top of the presser. "'Yes, sir,' Amelia murmured, taking out the last item and letting the empty bag fall to the floor.' Oblivious to her boss watching, she fingered the chiffon dress, dazzled by the lovely Carolina blue fabric. Belongs to a lady staying at the hotel. Guess she's on her way to San Francisco day after tomorrow or something. Wants her stuff cleaned before she goes. For sure, a movie star. Amelia thought, unable to take her eyes off the delicate thing she now held at arm's length. She admired its scoop neck the wide ribbon gathering, the chemise at the waist, and the heavy skirt with, she counted them, seven slits. It was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen. "'Yes, sir,' she said again. Amelia's boss nodded and left her to it. From there, fate seemed to take over. She felt thankful to the cool November air coming through the windows. It was hot as H-E-double-L among the pressers and steam generators inside the laundry building. All Amelia ever washed and pressed were the linens from the sleeper and diner cars stopping in town, so this was an unexpected treat. She was quite conscientious with the dress and spent over two hours on it, not minding the task one bit. As the day drew to a close, Amelia's eyes darted with increasing frequency toward the dress hanging on the coat rack in the hall, across from all the machinery. She'd covered it with a white sheet to protect it. The blue dress is just under there, she kept thinking, and she wondered, too, if her boss would be delivering it to the hotel that night. Surely he would. Something unpleasant stirred within her at the thought— And it made her frown. The steam generators had been turned off, and the washers, too. It was very quiet in the laundry building. Amelia usually left with everyone else, but not tonight. She paused in front of the rack, took her time putting on her coat, and stared at the white sheet while she buttoned herself up. She imagined the blue chiffon beneath. Amelia bit her lip as she put on her hat and was ready to leave, but she couldn't resist. Inching closer to it, she ran her fingers down the length of the sheet. It's just under here. In the silence, thinking of nothing but what a fine thing it would be to wear such a dress, Amelia lifted the sheet, took the dress, and hastily wrapped it in paper, the kind they used to pack up pressed napkins. She nestled the bundle in her work bag and turned to leave. When the night watchman spoke, her heart fluttered. She hadn't heard him come in. Not feeling so good, Sam, she said shakily. Might not be in tomorrow. Amelia walked past him, clutching her work bag to her chest. You get to feeling better, would ya? He called after her. I will, Sam. Good night. Amelia walked briskly holding tight to her borrowed treasure. The two blocks to her shabby dwelling on Lincoln and 25th seemed like nothing in her feverish state. All she wanted was to wear the dress just once. She barely acknowledged her landlord's greeting grunt, hurried past him, and ran up the rickety steps to her rented dingy room. Just the one time, Amelia said to herself, and to the dress as she hung it on the window latch. The dress seemed to reply with a pleasing vision Amelia eagerly dived into. In the daylight, her shapely calves and knees were visible as the breeze twirled and flapped the panels of the Carolina blue skirt. Her feet were encased in a pair of T-bar shoes. Amelia looked under her bed. There sat the very pair of shoes, the only pair of nice shoes she owned, which had belonged to her mother. The smile dropped from her face as reality hit her afresh. Had it been two years already? Losing both her parents and her sister all in the same day sure had changed her and the world around her. Shaking off the recollections, Amelia picked up the shoes and polished them so that they would shine. Tomorrow would be her one day. Somehow, despite her anticipation, Amelia slept. The sky was growing light when she opened her eyes, and the first thing she saw was the Carolina blue chiffon. Jumping out of bed, she went to wash herself in the common bathroom on her floor. Back in her room, she pulled the dress from the hanger and slipped it over her head. It didn't surprise her that the dress fit as if it had been made for her. Glad for the unseasonably warm November day, because she didn't have a nice coat to wear over it, She sighed and felt reassured she had done the right thing. Amelia looked at herself in the cloudy mirror one last time and beamed. Already. She opted for the back stairs of her building so as to leave unnoticed, certain that no one would recognize her once outside. So off she went to the dedication of the new depot at Ogden Union Station. Dressed like a fine lady, Amelia meant to enjoy the day as such. She even had an extra dollar to eat out and maybe even get herself an ice cream cone. She made her way to Union Station where the town's best had turned up for the ceremony in which 13 Ogden Society girls would drag the train by ribbons into the station. Locomotive number two stood at the north end of the depot with the colorful ribbons already tied to it. After a quick glance though, Amelia counted only 12 ladies present. One of the photographers turned from his camera and spotted Amelia. Her surprised smile broadened, and as if summoned by it, he came to where she stood behind the ropes. He held out his hand and Amelia took it. She let him lead her to the cluster of vivacious ladies waiting to perform the ceremonial pulling of the train. A delicious warmth lingered on her skin after he released her hand. The girls eyed her up and down but seemed to accept her as one of them, likely taking her for an out-of-towner which suited Amelia just fine. After the photograph was taken, he could not be persuaded to leave Amelia's side. They strolled arm-in-arm to Union Station Restaurant where they lunched together. I intend to make the most of the short hours we have, he said, and Amelia's spirits soared. He even bought her an ice cream cone before he left the train for the East Coast, and from there he would sail back to Italy. That night in her bed, Amelia giggled. They had talked about nothing for hours, yet that had been enough for her to feel she knew Stefano inside and out. She had given him the post office address, and he promised to write often. Over the next twelve months, Amelia received a letter every other week from him, and she wrote back faithfully. The day she received the clipping from his newspaper in Milan, La Dominica del Corriere, She laughed out loud, amazed by the colorful full-page illustration from the photograph Stefano had taken. Not only that, he had fixed to it a scrap of paper with a translation of the Italian headline. Curious American Custom, in Ogden, state of Utah, the first train to enter the new railway station for the inaugural ceremony was towed in by a mob of pretty young ladies from the town there she was, in the picture, pulling engine number two into the depot by one of the thirteen ribbons. Friday, November 13th, 1925. Fate, she said to herself, looking at the blue dress once again hanging from the window latch. If not fate, then what? It was fate I got picked to wash the dress, and it was fate that I wore it, and because of it, my handsome Stefano noticed me. It was fate, too, that the movie star ended up leaving without her laundry, so there was no one to miss the Carolina blue dress and the bundle returned to the hotel. A chill draft sneaking through a gap in the window frame of her shabby dwelling made the fancy fabric seem like it breathed. Amelia hugged herself and pressed her lips together to contain the smile bursting to flower on her face. She thought it only natural. She would wear the blue chiffon dress today for the second time to meet Stefano at Union Station. Dreamily humming, What I'll Do, her eyes drifted to the newspaper clipping she had tacked on the wall several months before, and which continued to read, Curious American Custom, Ogden Society Girls. But she couldn't feel lighthearted about it anymore. Lately, it was like something cold slipped into her belly every time she glanced at it. For months, she had skimmed over her life in Ogden, purposely admitting a great deal from her letters to Stefano. She let him believe she was the Ogden Society girl he mistook her for when they met. A man who writes such letters as Stefano couldn't possibly object to a working American woman. Amelia told herself as she styled her bobbed hair and finger curls, and anyway it would be best to tell him face to face i can't very well say i'm a laundress in a letter still the uneasy feeling continued to do circles in her belly what if he does object he he won't once again she left her building the back way stefano's face foremost in her mind Amelia did an ungainly walk-trot all the way to Union Station. Breathless and cold, she traversed the Grand Lobby and skipped down the stairs into the passenger subway to get to the tracks. She wanted to be under the butterfly canopy, waiting for Stefano. Her heart galloped in her chest as the train pulled into the station, and she spotted him, leaning out of one of the carriage doors. She took that to mean he was just as eager to see her and began bouncing on the spot, waving both both arms raised. Stefano laughed and bounded off the train before it even stopped. He scooped her into his arms. "Cara," he whispered in her ear, and kissed her, then and there. Amelia melted into the long-awaited embrace. The opportune moment to tell him the truth of her situation didn't come for over four hours the most wondrous four hours of Amelia's life. At the end of that time, Stefano guided her back north of the depot. "'Where I first saw you,' he told her, dropping to one knee by the empty tracks. He held up a golden band to her. "'Consent to be my wife,' he said, looking at her as a man long lost in the desert might look at a pitcher of cold water. "'And I will devote my life to making you happy.' Amelia believed him. She smiled and fell to her knees in front of him. "'Yes!' she exclaimed. "'I knew how it would be, my Stefano!' She sighed, and all the details she had omitted in her letters tumbled out of her. As Stefano nuzzled and kissed her neck, gradually his kissing slowed, and then stopped altogether. Brow furrowed, he stood, but didn't offer to help her to her feet. He walked away as if deep in thought, It didn't occur to Amelia to get off her knees. She stared after him, blindsided by the inexplicable reaction, until Stefano turned back to face her. "'You deceived me!' he declared, with the finality of a judge's gavel in a courtroom. Amelia gasped. His eyes were cold on her, full of loathing. "'Stefano, please!' she cried, getting unsteadily back to her feet, feeling like her knees might buckle." He let out a mirthless laugh that froze Amelia to the core. A laundress? Passing yourself for a rich woman. She could hear the disgust in his voice, the shame of being tricked. Stefano, I'm telling you now, she cried. I work hard for a living. What what's wrong with that? He didn't answer. He jumped on to the eastbound track and ran several yards out. She followed, if she could hold him, kiss him, she could make him understand how trivial this was compared to the love she felt for him. Listen to me, please! Her T-bar shoes weren't managing the gravel between the tracks very well. Amelia stumbled. Several feet ahead, Stefano stopped and turned to glare at her. You have been such a waste of my time, he spat. She watched him pitch the gold ring up the track with all his might. She heard it land. No! No! She half-crawled, half-ran to him. Please listen to me. Stefano wrestled her off, but held her to her wrists. He shook her roughly. You will never see me or hear from me again. Do you understand? Stefano, please. I love you. He shoved her away with an angry growl. Not ever. Amelia looked from Stefano's retreating back to the empty eastbound track. She wanted Stefano's ring. She wanted Stefano. Blinded by tears, she took off up the track, but couldn't space her steps between the ties. Her foot gave way with an ominous sound of cracking bones. The distant whistle of a train reached her ears. I must get off the track, she thought. The gravel hurt her skin, she could feel it through the Carolina blue chiffon. The hot pain in her ankle felt like an electric current. It made her whole leg throb. She couldn't see Stefano anymore, but from where she lay panting, the ring glittered a few feet in front of her. Amelia could feel it in her chest, the clattering of the train and the rattling tracks, as she dragged herself over the ties and gravel. Her fingers closed around the gold circle. She looked up, jubilant. Now I must roll off the track. All she saw was the monstrous number two on the snout of the locomotive. Amelia's mouth opened and an infinite, desolate scream escaped. Friday, November 13th, 2015 Did you hear that? I blurted, grabbing my daughter by the elbow. Did you see it? See what? she asked, looking at me alarmed. My mind racing, I stared at the empty eastbound track and pointed. There! She was on those tracks, and she had a blue dress on. I put my hand over my heart. I could feel a horrible, ancient ache there. Listen to me, please. My eyes filled with tears, and I tried to swallow the lump at the top of my throat. Mom? Didn't you hear it? A long, drawn-out wail? I asked again, refusing to believe the experience had been mine alone. The saddest sound I've ever heard. We stood, side by side, staring at the deserted track a moment longer, my daughter probably wondering if I had lost my mind, and me trying to shake off the heartbreaking quality of the cry that had rattled me to my bones. The distant whistle of the approaching front-runner train began to dispel the trance, but before it let me go I turned to my daughter gripped by a sudden conviction. A deep-rooted acknowledgement burst from me. That bastard broke my heart! Carolina Blue Part of the anthology Seven Ghostly Spins, a brush with the supernatural, by Patricia Bassano is available on Amazon. See the link in the episode notes. Patricia Bassano is the author of award-winning philosophical fantasy novels and Supernatural Escapes. Owner and editor at Waterbearer Press, an indie outfit with a supernatural approach to publishing, one dream at a time. She writes and lives in California with her family. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. If you did indeed enjoy it, there are many ways for you to show your appreciation. For one, you can help us spread the word about the podcast on social media. You can find posts about the podcast at Mischief on Twitter. If you want to keep up to date on news for the podcast, there is a mailing list over on my website. You guessed it, glenamischief.com. The mailing list is also how you can find out when our submission windows are open, if you are interested in getting your book on the podcast. Oodalally, oodalally, fortunes forecast, lucky charms, get the dopes on your horoscopes. Ah, regal listener, there you are. Now, close your eyes, no peeking. From the mists of time come the fireflies- I mean spirits. Oh look, listeners. Well, you, you can't really, but trust me, it's spectacular. Ooh the lally. Oh what's this? The fire of <clears throat> spirits are saying something. Support Glint of Mischief on Kofi Also we can see you. You shouldn't eat that. It's not healthy for you. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, it sounds like I have to go now and let my spirits out of their jar and back into the backyard. That or give them some air holes. Until next time, see you around.